Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. I'm so thankful that you're listening today. I need to begin by just expressing some thanksgiving Last week, I sort of poured out my heart on pursuing holiness through this simple but crucial sequence of grace to faith to life. We talked about how immense and incredible God's grace is, all of that which he poured down from above into and around your life and continues to lavish upon you. The more the eyes of our heart are enlightened to this, something changes inside of us. That thing is called faith. We begin to love him and trust him and believe that all of his promises are real. The result of this is the pursuit of a daily godly life, not to accumulate some credit to purchase his grace, but as the natural result of it. I got the most wonderful and encouraging feedback all throughout last week. So if you took action reaching out to me directly or passing the message along or just praying for me and others, I just wanted you to know that I'm thankful for you. Okay, so today on the heels of that discussion about grace leading to faith, leading to life, I want to ask this follow-up question. How do you know if all of that is going well? In other words, what fruit is being born in your life in a very real way as the result of God's infinite mercies transforming your heart and redirecting your life? There are probably a lot of good answers to that, and I hope you can come up with a few. But today, I want to push you beyond a limited answer. A limited answer might sound like this. Chris, it's going great. The relationship between me and God is better than ever. I am reading his word. I am praying. I am considering his power in my life. I've even been exploring the concept of the gift of the Holy Spirit and his workings, and I love God more than ever before. I've decided to just trust him, to decide that his way is best, and I believe in all of his promises. And it's just kind of totally renovated my attitude all day. Life is always as bright as the promises of God, and anything is possible by his grace. Now, let me say this, having heard myself record that, if that's your answer to how grace is working in your life, I think that is amazing. It says that in special, real ways, you are connecting to God like never before. And in some ways, if we could just make this holiness business just about you and God, it would be so much simpler. But the scripture, and particularly New Testament letters on grace written to believers like us, pushes quite a bit farther than that. Let me make a somewhat bold claim here and use the rest of the episode defending it. The single best indication of how God's grace has filled your heart to change your life is seen in the condition of your relationships. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things in that statement. 
Notice I didn't say relationship, as in you and God. And I also wasn't specific about which relationships matter the most. Before we dive in on some of those specifics, let me explain those two things in more detail. Let me reword or redefine the grace to faith to life concept that you heard last week. What if I pitched the same three categories to you in the same sequence with eight words? God loves you. Love God. Love your neighbor. I want you to think about those words as another way of saying the exact same thing. God's grace showered down from above is God's love for you. Everything begins with your deepening appreciation of the greatness of God's ongoing love for you. The result of that, which begins in your heart, is you begin to love God. Every other element of trust and dependency and conviction in your heart is built upon the fact that you love him. Because of how deeply you've come to love him, out of gratitude for him, you obey him. You worship him. You offer your life to him. And yes, you could argue that that's getting into the third category, going out and living a holy life but it would miss what Jesus added and this simple, incredible fact that the number one way that it is demonstrated in your daily life that you know how much God loves you and you love him in return is the way that you love your neighbor. Look, for some of us, this statement is so obvious that you're ready for me to move on. But for others, I don't know that it is. I think there's this tendency to say that God and I are in this great, loving saving, familial relationship. I have some incredibly strained relationships with enemies. I'm not overly committed to or invested in brothers and sisters in Christ, and honestly, some of the relationships in my own house aren't too good. But God and I are great, and that's all that matters. If there is one thing I would ask you to consider today, it is the fact that that is certainly not all that matters. We could just focus in on what Jesus said about loving God and then going out and loving your neighbor and all of the wonderful parables he told to expand that to everyone that God weaves into your life. But I would like to just turn your attention towards some of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. There is a very common format in these letters, particularly the book of Romans, Ephesians, Colossians. I would confidently throw in Peter's first letter as well. These are letters written to believers, to people who are Christians like you and me. And you might guess how they all start. They start with the grace of God. They overwhelm you with how much God has done. They unrelentingly draw your attention to the power of Jesus coming and his blood and his rule and the inheritance that he provides. You as a Christian cannot read the first half of these letters without feeling something. That something is called faith, and they make you want to serve him and worship him and be holy in his honor. But can you guess what the second half of all of those letters is about? I mean, they could have put down the pen a little earlier and made things a lot simpler. God loves you. He's given you a million reasons to love him. Go out and worship him and make offerings in his name. But they did not stop there. Ephesians chapters 4 through 6 Colossians chapters 3 and 4, Romans chapters 12 through 15 are largely committed to God instructing you to go out and demonstrate the nature of your love for him in the way that you treat other people. 
And I want to get specific about that in the second half of the episode. Very clearly, these letters want you to look at three particular categories of human beings that God weaves into your day. But before we do that, let me warn you about what might happen. As I get specific into certain relationships, you will find some that are going better than others. And I'm not talking about the difference between somebody who loves you and someone who hates you. I'm talking about from your side of things. And it might even lead you into making two piles, my healthy relationships and my unhealthy relationships. You'll put your spouse somewhere, your boss, your favorite coworker. Maybe I'm being sarcastic, maybe not. Parents might put their kids in the two piles, but maybe not all of them in the same pile. Kids might do that with their parents. When we started talking about brethren, we certainly would have two stacks, the reasonable ones and the unreasonable. And I believe that all of that would be a critical mistake. These episodes are not about them. They're about you. They are about how a version of you that is constantly leaning back upon and drawing from God that fills your mornings with praise for him in your heart and seeks to be a moon reflecting the glorious light of Jesus into this world, will demonstrate this in your relationships, period. Now, if we start subcategorizing that too early, we start bringing other people in as a factor on how you are pursuing that relationship. And that misses the point entirely. Your path of holiness from God's grace to your faith to a holy life means that the power of God begins to live through you in all relationships, in every relationship. Now, I'm not being so naive as to say that if you demonstrate the grace of God that all of your relationships will be good. I mean, the conduct of the other person will certainly be a factor on how it all goes, but they mustn't be a factor on how you go. You are living out the grace of God in your heart. You are merciful to others because God has been merciful to you. You seek to forgive your darkest adversary because Jesus sought to forgive you and everyone else on the cross. You see hopefulness and opportunity in the future with everyone that you know because that's exactly what God did with you. I know that we've talked about all of this before in different ways over the years, but to the extent that my behavior is dependent upon or a reaction to the behavior of someone else, then in some manner, I am disconnected from God and His grace in a way that really matters and really needs to be addressed. Now, did you pick up on that? You say, Chris, I've got this relationship. It's just, I don't know, I lose it. It's chronic. I get baited. I fall into the same traps. What I'm saying is it shouldn't pan out in this sequence. You need to figure out how to behave better. And when you do, you'll feel better about your faith, and God will bless that relationship. This is a classic Dr. Phil moment. How's that working out for you? Get the sequence right. If your part in that relationship, no matter what it is, is contributing to its demise, you can keep trying or keep going to that person, and maybe it'll all work out but it probably won't. You need to get back to God. Go back to his grace again. Read the last 10 Psalms. They're incredible. Remember who he is and what he has done and who you are and what you believe and why you're here. And then go out and demonstrate that in the absolute most powerful way that you can. 
in loving your neighbor. Yes, even that neighbor. All right, with all of that in mind, I want to finish up by accomplishing a couple of things. First of all, I want to prove to you that these epistles directed to Christians about God's grace ultimately point to being proven by your interpersonal relationships, and then having anchored all of this in your part in all of that, we can demonstrate all of this in three relationship categories. Let's start that with the broader circles and then bring our way in. Number one, grace to faith to life is demonstrated in the way that you choose to interact with people among the world. I'm actually going to put little passage clusters in the show notes, but the book of Romans in chapters 12 and 13 talk about our ability to demonstrate peace in all situations and environments, even under conditions of being mistreated. Ephesians 5 and 6 talks about being a light in this dark world for their benefit, even in really difficult relationships like slaves and masters. 1 Peter talks about keeping your behavior excellent even among the Gentiles or the people of the world. Words like being harmonious and sympathetic, brotherly and kind, humble, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. These become the proof of a grace-filled life even among people who have not realized the benefit of that grace. In fact, let me sum up this idea of your relationship with the world in this way. The reason God has kept you in this world and the reason God has woven unsaved people into your life is so that you may show them the light of Christ and they may come to know the love of God and be saved. That changes everything when it comes to people that you work with or someone who lives up the street or someone on social media who's always taking a shot at you. My relationship with them is very simple. God loves me, though I don't deserve it. I love him for all that he does in mercy every day. And in this relationship, yes, even this one, I will demonstrate my gratitude for God in the hopes that somehow this undeserving, ignorant sinner might be saved, just like me. I won't go all the way back through this, but do you see what we did there? We found what we needed to interact with and influence the world, even in very challenging situations, by drawing our strength and our perspective from God's grace to your faith into their life. The second category is certainly unmistakable if you've ever read your New Testament. Holy living, and quite explicitly, your overall relationship with God is expressed and nurtured by the way that you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ. Particularly in the book of Romans, when you do not agree on everything, but you both seek to serve the Lord. Particularly in the book of James, when they are hurt or poor or in some sort of need. In fact, our big chapter, James 2, that we preach to the world that faith without works is dead, is actually not a letter written to the world. It's written to Christians, who also believe that faith without works is dead, but then are given the very potent example of dead faith. When you see your brother or sister in need and do not help them. We could toss in a little First John here, which I think follows basically the same model. But John frequently wrote that our love for God will be known in the way we love each other. And how can you love a God whom you have not seen unless you love a brother, any brother, even that brother whom you can see? Let me hit you with a little straight talk here. 
I'm convinced that there are members of churches who worship the right way in the right places and do the right things with the treasury who will not be in heaven based entirely on the way they treated fellow Christians, some of whom they disagreed with and thought it was their job to judge, some of which just simply needed them, but they found reasons not to help. I don't know about you, but I'm not going out like that. And do you know why? Because of the great love that God has for me, for how much he has done, even in the face of my mistakes and immaturity, in times when I cried out in need, in situations that could have easily been avoided. God's grace was there. It's always there. And my brethren will know it in the way I extend it to them. The Bible says so much about the relationship between brethren. Sometimes it's just being kind and encouraging and supportive. Sometimes it's losing a bet and having to own up to it publicly. Okay, that's pretty random, so let me take a second and explain. Joseph Penn is a brother in Christ and a friend, and he goes to school at A&M. He's a big sports guy, and he and his buddy have a weekly podcast called Under Review. He's also a massive Cowboys fan, and I am not. So we made a little agreement a few weeks ago when the Cowboys were playing the Bucks. If the Bucks won, he would have to mention Excel Still More on his podcast. But if by some miracle the Cowboys won, I would plead for the entire ESM audience to go check out his podcast under review. Well, the Cowboys won and Tom Brady retired and I got some consolation the Cowboys lost the next week. But in truth, I just love Joseph. He's a great young man, and he loves the Lord deeply, and I was going to do this for him either way. And he actually gets like a penny from an advertiser for every person who listens. So if you would like to help me love my brother, then as soon as you're done here, go check out his podcast, Under Review. It's a black and white image with a 50-yard line at the bottom. And I will put a link to his website in the show notes. Okay, this third category of love your neighbor needs a lot more time than we have left. So I think I'll give it some attention going into next week. But arguably, the most crucial place where grace to faith to life is needed is in the family. The book of Ephesians devotes an entire chapter to wives, husbands, fathers, and children. The book of Colossians in chapter 3 does the same thing, except it keeps putting the Lord in almost every verse. I mean, you think you're reading a practical section about marriage and parenting, and God keeps showing up. Colossians 3.18, Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting to the Lord. Children, obey your parents, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. 1 Peter talks about husbands and how they treat their wives, doing so rightly so that our prayers are not hindered. It gets put in this way, when you are serving your family— being patient and kind and loving. It is as if you are doing so to the Lord himself. And I think that's a really powerful idea. It's easy to divorce those two things. God and I are good, but my relationship with my brother or parent or spouse isn't. Grace to faith to life does not allow that separation. I have to openly admit a few important things, and I hope that you do similarly. The kind of husband that I am is the kind of Christian that I am. The way that I love my children is my love for God. Not exclusively, but certainly inclusively. Now, as we end this episode, I want you to think optimistically about what that means. 
If you've been following along for these last two weeks, then maybe you can make the connection here. Your ability, gentlemen, for instance, to be a better husband and father is sourced in the nature of your relationship with God. Explore His grace. Be filled with gratitude and love. And then turn that attention and openly let it flow into your family. Sequence is really important. Hey, let's go ahead and wrap up for today. I'll come back next week and talk about things you can do practically in your family and particularly in your marriage to make things better. But let me just end with these reminders. If you're interested in the New Testament passages about your relationship with the world, with Christians, and with your family, they're in the notes. Don't forget to help me come through for a brother by checking out Under Review and do some specific internal work this week to gauge the power of God's grace in your life by evaluating your relationships. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.